0: in the beginning. No, 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 no. Don't go back that far. Join the cult of Raptor Jesus. Join the cult of Raptor Jesus. Join the cult of Raptor Jesus. It's the cult of Raptor Raptor Jesus. Jesus. Hello, and welcome. My name is Raptor Jesus, and this is Episode 1, Genesis of the raptor jesus cult now you probably have a few questions maybe more than a few who are you why are you doing this why are you making another podcast and I'm here to answer those questions. So this podcast will hopefully not just be about me. It's never intended to, but this first episode is meant to cover who I am and give a background. It's not so much episode one as it is episode zero. It's more of a prelude than a chapter one, and I felt it to be important to make an evergreen episode right at the beginning so that anybody in the future that comes to this show can come back here to square one and learn who I am, learn the background, and then go back and digest all the lovely music-related content that this show will be consisted of. So hello, future listeners from 2029. My name is Raptor Jesus, but obviously, as you've guessed by now, I am a real person. I don't want to reveal too much about who I am. Instead, I will give you a few details. One, I love music and discussing music with people. One of my favorite things in the world is having a conversation with somebody else who also loves music and just going back and forth on end about our love for music. It brings me as much joy and sometimes more joy that I get from when I actually listen to music. So it's that powerful, which is why I'm doing this, because I think it's very important to be a waypoint between people and the music. A lot of people, they want to get into music. Nowadays, a lot of times, they use an algorithm, but I think it's important to keep the music connection between actual people, so that's why I felt compelled to make this show, so that I could be a real voice bringing music to other people, because I do love music. I love how magical it is. I think that music is magic, which is one of the reasons why I've never learned much about making music. I don't play any instruments. Part of it is because it makes it so that I don't learn the magical trick that is music. So I can always enjoy music with just this mind-blown mentality of where did it come from? How did they do that? I I wouldn't know because it doesn't really bother me. I just I am more concerned with how it makes me feel and how good it is and if I would need to share that with other people. That's all I want to say for now. I do want to remain anonymous because the whole beauty of being Raptor Jesus is the veil, the mystery of who I actually am because online I can be just this person who likes music. So I'll get into who that person that loves music, Raptor Jesus, is momentarily. But as far as making this podcast, what the purposes are for making this podcast, I feel it's important to say What your goals are and say them out loud and manifest them even if they seem very far away one of my ultimate goals and hopes for doing this podcast and stepping out into the public first i want to have conversations with other people i don't want this show to just be about me eventually once i've said a bunch about music and the topics i want to cover then i would like to reach out to other people ideally other musicians i would love to interview artists something that stereo gum the website does quite often also something that i would like to do because i feel like i have very unique questions it's something i have done but i would hope that in the future that raptor jesus could be something of like a sean evans of music or maybe as important as Zane Lowe for Apple Music, Beats, and all his radio shows, or even Jason Bentley, if you're familiar with KCRW in Santa Monica who has done a lot of work with Coachella. It would be super great to go to festivals and talk to people as a expert on the music going on. But of course, to me personally, the greatest person I could even achieve to be on their level is John Peel, rest in peace. I love that John Peel had such a storied history and his career was very much of the time and the place, but everything he did it made a veil with artists, including Pink Floyd, which we'll get to momentarily is a total influence on me, and I would love to walk into the path of the music lover that is a broadcaster. So I'm going to start by talking about myself, give you background about who I am, get that out of the way, and then we can talk about the music. And the reason I feel it is important to talk about myself and my history is because it's kind of like my resume. It's my credentials of why I have a music show. So it's important to let people know exactly what I've done and how much time I've committed to being a huge music fan that feels that I could be in a position as the people I previously mentioned. So my mission statement is that I want to become a known musical figure people turn to. I feel like in a way I've accomplished that on a very small scale, but I want people to know who I am as a person and I want to overcome the algorithm that's currently taking place on streaming services where people just let a computer program tell them what to listen to and it often puts them in an echo chamber where they just continue to listen to exactly what they've always listened to and I feel that I could at least provide another perspective especially given my history in the music scene in the 21st century. And the other reason I want to do it is I really want to help Stereo Gum. I know I've mentioned Stereo Gum a lot and for anybody who doesn't know, especially if it's not a website anymore, hopefully it is, but Stereogum.com has been around since the early 2000s, I believe 2001, 2002. Scott Lapetine, the owner, started the website as another music blog. It was very important in the 2000s to have music blogs because everybody was downloading music for free. So to have a music blog that kind of pointed people in the right directions of this is what's good, this is what's trending, this is what people are listening to and talking about, but also providing a comment section so that there could be some back and forth discourse, which has only grown over the years, especially recently in the past 10 years since I've been around. And it's been one of the better places on the internet to talk about music. And I think even a lot of musicians agree that the Stereogum comment section is a very special place. And I would love to keep that special place around because that's where Raptor Jesus came from. And so one of my hesitations of making a podcast is that I always thought if I wanted to do something about music, then I should put the music first. Like I should do a radio show or make playlists, which is literally what I did and I don't want this show to be about what me the speaker the real person I do have a radio show but I don't want it to be about that I want this to be its own thing namely because there are limitations of a radio show and there are limitations of playlists because we're talking about licensed material here archaic rules such as ASCAP you know jukebox licensing just licensed music in general DMCA takedowns if you're on twitch if you've ever watched a live streamer play licensed music oftentimes they'll get taken down kicked off the platform for a few days and be sent takedown notices, DMCA takedown notices. So we still live in a world where pushing licensed music over the internet is something that can get you sued. And so as much as I would love to just send music out to the masses and say hey this is what I think is good and I have been doing for many many years it's reached sort of a limitation where now I look around and I see podcasts are all the rage and I'll be the first to admit I do not listen to podcasts because I'd rather be listening to music but if people are out there listening to podcasts and enjoy listening to somebody talk then I will happily step up so that I can maybe then take them from listening to this podcast or other podcasts and listening to really great music. And it still surprises me that we live in this world where you can post music to YouTube, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and these algorithms see the song and flag it and say, hey, this is licensed material, or hey, you played this artist too many times, and take it down. But they can't use that same algorithm to pay the artists and say, oh, hey, this person used this song in a YouTube video, so we're going to send some money to whoever needs to get it. And I just, don't understand why it's just a takedown and not a way to actually let the music scene flourish in a time when musicians really need as much financial help as possible. I do think that those current rules have prevented music-related content creators to be a bigger deal. And right now, music still feels like a very niche love that a lot of people do share, but I feel like there's not much culture around it because the place where people seek their culture now, be it podcasts, YouTube, live streams, have these strict limitations that have limited the ability for music creators to share stuff. And I mean, you've seen Anthony Fantano do a pretty great job, but even still, you know, it's just him talking about a review. But now he's doing interviews, and I mean, I think it's great what he's doing, and he's found an audience. But I feel like that there's room for more voices, so I'm hoping that I can be one of those voices. With all of that out of the way, who is Raptor Jesus? Or if you're on Spotify, who is Raptor Jesus 311? This is what the episode one Genesis is all about. It's going to be a background of who I am. So let's get into who is Raptor Jesus. Now, I don't think I'm going to be able to cover everything on this episode. It will be a history, hopefully a brief history, but this entire Raptor Jesus cult will hopefully unravel exactly who I am and what I like about music over all the many episodes. But for right now up front, let's get the nitty-gritty out the way so I never have to talk about it again. So the Raptor Jesus story starts around 2010. At the time, I had pretty much been only Reading pitchfork for my music news. And one of my friends kind of gave me a hard time about only getting my music news from one site and how it might be biasing my listening habits. And I thought he had a good point. So I reached out to another friend and said, What other sites are you looking at? And he says, Well, I check out Stereo Gum and Coke Machine Glow, which I would love to have an episode about Coke Machine Glow in the future. But for right now, we'll stick to Stereo Gum. So I checked out Stereo Gum and I was like, Oh, cool. They have a comment section. But nobody was commenting at the time. Now I know that through the 2000s, they did have a moment where there was a pretty decent commenting section, but it was still just a very old commenting section, and nothing like the one it is today. But at the time, when I would read Stereo Gum and check out what music they were talking about, I would always see on the side a little advertisement for the worst movie of all time, and I'm like, "What is this?" And I just thought it was an ad to some other site, and it was, but it was a sister site that was associated with Stereo Gum called Video Gum, that is no longer around. But at the time, Video Gum was. Ran By a guy named Gabe, who is very, very funny and a very good writer. And I was bored at work, so I clicked over and I started reading Gabe's The Worst Movie of All Time articles. And they were so funny that I was laughing out loud at work and having to like stifle my laughter of how funny these were. And I'd read the articles, and then at the bottom, just like Gum, there was a comment section, except this comment section was filled with comments, like 50 to 60, on just about every single post, and especially those movie articles, and there were people with little images, avatars, and names, generally in lowercase, and I remember on the worst movie of all time articles, there was a commenter named Wertrue, like the, a palindrome, W-E-R-T-R-E-W, and he would always try to convince Gabe to watch this movie called Amelia which was about Amelia Earhart and on every article he would post it and generally at the top and the bit was that he would come up with a new very drawn-out way to explain how terrible this movie is and you'd end it with like an animated gif of a kid like running into a wall on like a toy truck or something and it was great and all these other commenters on the site all had their own little one-liners and bits and it was just a really funny comment section and I really liked it and at the time, I was just lurking, I was laughing, having a good time. But then, Video Gum made this post for their like third anniversary i think and it was an irl party an in real life party in new york where gabe and some of the guys from stereo gum scott amrit at the time and they went bowling and in the pictures that they posted and you got to remember this is 2010 facebook was still a usable website where people shared pictures of their parties and they tagged all these pictures with random people in as monsters that's what gabe called all the commenters and i thought wow that's amazing not only is this comment section a really funny place to be but they get together in new York and they hang out and they have a good time. And that made me realize that these are real people. You know, not only are they funny internet presences, but they're actually real people that like hanging out. And I wanted to meet new people at the time where I was living. You know, I had my friend group, but I wanted to branch out. You know, I want to reach as many people as possible. And I thought, wow, I need to become a part of this community. So after seeing that post, I made an account and I wanted my account to be in sync with the other video gum commenters, which is that they had an image and they had a name and it was all in lowercase, which I kind of like lowercase, but I noticed all their names were in lowercase. So I was like, okay. And because it was so funny on video gum, I was like, okay, well, what's the funniest thing I've ever heard? And I went back to my childhood when I think I was in middle school, one of my friends who I'm still friends with brought up the concept of Raptor Jesus, which I found hysterical growing up in a community where I was constantly going to church. So it was kind of blasphemous. It was edgy. And it reminds me of the Bill Hicks bit when he has one question for all Christians, which is a one word question where he just goes, dinosaurs. There are no dinosaurs mentioned in the Bible, but they exist. And so I've always loved that bit. And the concept of raptor Jesus just brings up a hilarious image in my mind. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And immediately I realized that typing it lowercase meant that I was going to have to type the word Jesus in lowercase, which if you've ever been religious, you know, is like basically a sin. But I was like, okay, so I guess it'll be a little edgy. So then I googled Raptor Jesus for an avatar image, and I found the blue backgrounded image with the image of Jesus with a raptor's head crudely photoshopped, probably MS Paint shopped on top of it. And instead of holding a Kane Holding an Uzi, and I was like, perfect, done. And I ran with it and made the account. And that was about in 2010. And then I started commenting on Video Gum mostly. And so on Video Gum, at the end of every week on Friday, there was an article called Monsters Ball. And it was the last article Gabe would post for the weekday before taking off for the weekend. And it was the top five most upvoted comments. And then he would also have an editor's choice where he would like pick his own comment and he'd make like a little editor's note under it about like why he chose it. And so I'd been commenting and I didn't. Ever make it into monsters ball but Gabe did pick one of my comments one time and so after he picked my comment I felt Like you know, part of the community, so I made me stick around. But what really made me go from video gum to stereo gum was that you know the video gum comment section was just very big already. There were already a lot of established people involved that you know liked responding to each other's comments, and so I did kind of feel like I was on the outside. But I really wanted to be on the inside, but it didn't look very possible on video gum. And I realized at the time that I had spent so much time in my life at that point listening to music that it really made more sense to go comment on Stereo Gum, but the only problem is that they would get like one to two comments on posts at the time. So summer of 2010 when Health's Disco 2 came out I was obsessed with the album and I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. Pitchfork just kind of passed it over as just you know oh it's a remix album who cares and Stereo Gum was posting some articles on it because they liked posting about Health or at least Amrit did and they posted a new song. They're like, hey, this new song, it's on Disco 2. And I was just like, that's not on Disco 2. That's that's not on the track list. So I got in the comments and was just like, "Ma, you know, that's not on the actual track list. And to my surprise, I checked back on the article and Amrit had changed it, saying that it was on the Disco 2 Plus album, which I didn't know about, and said, hey, thanks Raptor Jesus for pointing this out. And I was like, oh my God, like something I did, like helped the site or something. So... <laughs> I kind of went from there and started hanging out more on Stereo Gum because I was like, "Wow, I'm already getting feedback from Stereo Gum immediately," whereas I had to like work for a while to get noticed on Video Gum. So I started commenting more and just kind of sharing my thoughts and then Stereogum decided to follow Videogum and have their own like Monsters Ball where they did a comment roundup so Scott said you know he was going to do an end of the week post tabulate the top 10 best comments the top five worst ones and then Amrit and Scott would get their own editor's choice comments as well so they're like we need a name for it so go in the comments tell us what you want to name it I just threw out plus minus which is terrible and just way too on the nose and obvious but to my surprise when they rounded up all the options they included mine in there they're like hey raptor jesus submitted this and some other much smarter person because dos racist was popular at the time and i think they actually gave interviews with stereo gum and also Amaret. i believe was friends with one of the guys in dos racist and was in his documentary that he made at the time or his short film or whatever it was so somebody suggested shut up dude the name of one of the dos racist mixtapes and even i was like yeah that's going to be the name of it so i was around when that got named and and then when that came on then all of a sudden the comment section like was flooding in because then people were getting recognition for things they said and then you know it kind of actually became a game that people wanted to play of you know just getting upvotes which you still see to this day if you over reddit god forbid So this was all well and good into 2011 and then 2012 rolled around and I'd been commenting for about a year and there were some other commenters that were popping up that contributed just about as much as I did and we were kind of starting to grow a little community. And then in 2012, near the beginning, a few months in, a commenter named Michael underscore wrote an article about Coachella. Now, this was the very first year Coachella went to two weekends where they repeated the same lineup twice and Michael went to Weekend One. And then on Monday, posted his like review of it. I guess he had reached out to Stereo Gum and asked to do an article for him about Coachella, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, here you go." And so he did his article, and I saw that, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" I didn't know that they would give commenters write-up posts. And so after I saw it, I emailed Scott and said, "Hey, I'm going to weekend two. You know, I could." write up something for Weekend 2 as well. You know, maybe I could highlight artists that Michael didn't see and that way you kind of have a more wider coverage. And he was like, okay, sure. And so I went out to Coachella Weekend 2 and saw all the bands I wanted to see and saw Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and wrote about it at the end of every night. And I submitted it all on my iPhone 4 as I was riding back to the airport on Monday after the festival. And later that day it was up and I saw it go up and I was like, oh, that's great. And then I noticed that Michael was like, upset about the fact that i wrote one too and later the next day on the album of the week post he went off on me saying that, you know, Stereogum shouldn't have posted my article because it was poorly written and it took away from his that was spectacularly written in his opinion. And this caused what is to this day one of the biggest comment dramas I believe we've had in the comment section. And if it's not the biggest, it was definitely the first big inner commenter drama that had ever occurred on Stereogum as far as I'm aware. And you can still go back and read about it. And it was kind of the beginning of the end of, Michael who would have these unhinged moments on the site and I mean I still keep in touch with him rarely I have kept in touch with him he's reached out more recently and I think he's in a better place now but at the time it sort of kind of pitted us against each other and I think most of the comment section kind of took my side of the matter obviously because I was just trying to like put something out there and he was basically having a come apart about it and so after that I kind of became a more noteworthy commenter on the site definitely one that stuck out because you know people remembered that I was a part of this drama that had happened and also around the time I started kind of changing my approach to commenting I try to make it more of a video gum approach where I would make very short comments like maybe just one line kind of like a quick Little one liner joke as I found that they got more upvotes than the more long winded rambling posts that would kind of become my calling card later on down the road. But at the time, I thought it would be wise to kind of set a few comment restrictions going forward to try to kind of make my name more noticeable. It's like, oh wow, you know, people started associating, you know, good comments with my name. And I think I definitely lucked out in the summer of 2012 when Frank Ocean came out and I just happened to be on the website that weekend. I I think I was at work and I got to get the first comment on that which I mean Frank Ocean coming out was a pretty historic moment especially when you consider all the history with Odd Future and whatnot so I got the first comment there and basically said something about like you know thoughts and prayers to all the female Frank Ocean fans who are likely crying in their pillows right now because up to that point I mean Frank Ocean had a song called Songs for Women so it was pretty understood that he was like a sexy R&B singer singing songs to get women but you know he continues to get the last laugh so fast forward to the end of 2012 I've been commenting pretty consistently and now I got to the point of kind of why I joined in the first place which was I actually wanted to meet people the whole point of reaching out having these music conversations with people in the comments section was that I wanted to meet other people and I had my chance uh, sort of by happenstance I was commenting in an Iceland airwaves post on stereo gum my sister and I were gonna go to the festival because we always said that if Sigur Rose played at Iceland airwaves we would go and see Sigaros in Iceland and that was the deal they were headlining that year so I mentioned on the site oh you know I'm actually going this year and a guy named Solvi messaged me back on the comment section saying oh if you're gonna be in Iceland I live here hit me up how was I going to hit him up? Well, when I was at the hotel in Reykjavik, I got on stereo and was like, hey, I'm here. And somehow we worked out some details and we actually did meet up. And there's a really cool story with meeting up with Solvi. This was the day after the festival had wrapped up and we met at a bar and we were hanging out, the three of us. And we were about to leave and this girl comes in and slams her hands down on our table just out of nowhere. She didn't know who we were. And she just said... Bjork is DJing at the bar next door and we're like what she's like she's DJing at Irish bar oh my gosh I forgot what the name of the bar was but it was something like Irish basically and so naturally we walk out and Solvi's from there so he knows where to go and it's just right up the street and we walk in and we hear TLC's waterfalls playing which was funny because my sister and I had spent the day looking at waterfalls around Iceland and we get up and Bjork is not DJing but there is a group of girls next to the stereo and one of them has an ox. Chord, and she's just kind of playing Beyonce or whatever she wants and then lo and behold there's Bjork amongst the group of girls and she's like going to the bar and the bartender hands her this giant silver bowl filled with ice and two bottles of champagne. Bjork turns around and just kind of like prances, like kind of skips almost like joyfully in a Bjork way, as you would imagine, back to the table and it's like, oh my God, that's totally Bjork. And so we kind of just sat at a table and just watched in awe like, oh my God. And even Solvi who's lived in Iceland, he's like, this is insane, you know? People always have that stereotype of like, oh, you're in Iceland, have you ever met Bjork? And it's like, no, come on, you know, she's one person, and then there we were. In a matter of 24 hours, my sister and I managed to see Sigaros and Björk in Iceland. So that was a pretty good first moment as far as a stereo gum meetup goes. So coming back from Iceland Airwaves, I was kind of on a high of like, oh wow, this is amazing. You know, this website I've been commenting on led to such a unique moment that I would have never had had I not like connected with this other person. So I was kind of like hooked on that. And there was another commenter at the time, and I don't know where he's gone, but his name was Slothdrop. And I mentioned that, you know, I was heading down to another show about a month or a few weeks after Iceland Airwaves, I was going down to Dallas to see how to dress well. And he mentioned that he was going and so got to the show and was looking around knowing that he was going to be there. And I found the one guy that was like looking intently for someone else too. And he was there with a few friends and we just instantly started talking, even though we had never met in real life about music. We were talking about the new Kendrick album, Good Kid, Mad City, and had a really good conversation. And I met up with him the next year. In fact, in 2013 at a grizzly bear show in Dallas, and he gave me a burned CD of Deer Hunter's Monomania like two months before it came out and he was like do not tell anybody that i gave this to you i could get in big trouble and i believe that was like the last time i saw him i saw him comment on the site a few times but you know i mean that was huge i was driving back from dallas that night after the show and boom i had the brand new deer hunter album to listen to on the ride back and i'm a huge deer hunter fan even though i don't like that album but that's a whole nother story but the point is that would have never happened had i not met up with people through the website so to quickly go through a few other ones a few other notable engagements that i've had from being on the site i had actually had a real life friend of me just text me out of the blue like in 2013 he was just like all caps like you raptor jesus and i'm like yeah who told you and you know my best friend had mentioned it to him and he was like you know i read that site all the time and you know there's certain commenters that when you scroll down you look to see if they've commented and he was just like yours was always one of them and i just thought that was crazy because it gave me an insight that you know there's people out there that go to the site scroll to the comments and they're like oh cool raptor jesus commented and it you know felt like oh my god i'm actually like connecting with people. That's amazing that I'm connecting with like-minded music people. And so, you know, I kept it going 2013, 2014, 2015, and then 2016, I moved to Colorado and really kind of tried to ratchet up My involvement. And also at that time, like in 2015, most of the gang got on Spotify, which still had messaging at the time, which was awesome. It allowed us another way to connect and just send songs back and forth to each other. And it felt like just like a new dawn of stereo gum. And so at the time, I started a weekend party playlist, an idea I actually stole from my sister. She had a playlist she had that she would add four new songs every Monday. It was just a long list you'd constantly update. And so I made the weekend party playlist where I was like okay if everybody just adds one song you know so it's not cluttered and I'll just delete it completely every Friday that should be fun so throughout 2016 I did that and to my surprise a lot of people jumped on it and now there's like 300 plus likes on it and for a time if you went to Spotify and typed in stereo gum that playlist would pop up and not anything stereo gum related I think they fixed that now but at the time it was kind of cool that you know something that I had put out there for stereo gum to bring the community together was getting that much traction and that much visibility and also that much involvement. It was a pretty cool time. And also around that time I linked up with a commenter named Scruffy, who I really hope to meet in real life one day, and he's a big garage rock fan. And we came up with the very first Life Fests and Helmets playlist. In fact, I'd love to get him on the show and talk to him about the creation of that playlist because we went on to make one in 2017 and 2018. We did a whole trilogy and those are really cool playlists that I'm very proud of because it was a very good collaboration and it turned me on to a lot of music that I would have never listened to otherwise and then of course in 2016 I had what I called my best day ever. It was the day Clams Casino released his debut album, 32 Levels. And on that day, he was doing a show in Chicago on a Friday. And at the time, I was working early, early mornings. Like, I got off work at, like, 9 a.m., and I worked Monday through Friday. So I was like, oh, Friday, I could hop on a plane, go to Chicago, and see Clams Casino on the night of his debut album. That would be super cool. So I made the plans for the trip, and I was like, well, okay, that's going to be late at night. What else is going on? Well, Pitchfork Music Fest is going on. I could go to day one, see Beach House, see Julia Holter, see Carly Rae Jepsen, see Broken Social Scene. So I flew out on that Friday. And when I got there, I was like, oh, my God, I have to post the weekend party playlist and shut up, dude. So I had it in an email that I sent myself so I could just copy and paste it. And so when I went to shut up, dude, when I got to the festival grounds, I... Posted it, And, you know, some people were like, oh my God, how is Raptor posting from the fest? And also in the comments was one of the greatest commenters in Stereogum history, Blockhead, was in the building, or at least between the buildings out in Chicago. And I saw him saying, hey, I'm just chilling at Pitchfork Fest. And I'm like, oh my God, Block, I'm here. Where are you? And we linked up and I got to meet Blockhead and spend the entire evening with Blockhead and Block Her. And we had just like one of the greatest days at Pitchfork Fest. It's like everything I've been telling you so far about meeting up with commenters, having great conversations about music. It just really peaked on that day. I mean, Block and I coming together and just talking nonstop about music and seeing music, you know, smoking during Carly Rae Jepsen, lots of great memories. And of course, just the three of us watching Beach House just absolutely destroy it in 2016 was a mega highlight and probably the best Beach House show I'm ever going to see. So I then went to Clamps Casino later that night. I ended up being up for 25 hours. It was insane. But in the midst of all that was a very, very important link up where otherwise I would have been at this festival by myself doing boring things. And instead I got to spend it with a friend. So that's pretty awesome. And I really hope that I can see Block again. And I definitely want to get Block on this show somewhere down the line and blockheads notoriety was definitely something that grew in 2017 when doris montgomery made the website blockland and brought in a lot of my favorite commenters donny Tia especially who i'll mention more in a moment and colin and lobster man and i'm sure i'm forgetting a lot but we had a website called blockland for a while and we did some pretty amazing work that i would really love access to so who knows maybe i can get doris on the line somewhere down the line and blockhead and i did a very funny mock interview with Kendrick Lamar that was completely made up and it was very fun and a very fun time where it was like even though we couldn't meet in person we could all come together and express our love for music in a very hilarious but very serious way because we were all very big fans and actually Lemon Jello, I just remembered yeah Lemon Jello was a part of that and I met Lemon a couple times in Park City, Utah now that I think of it a few years later down the line and that was another great meetup as well got to know a lot about Lemon and Colin, who I just mentioned, was on Blockland team as well. And he was living near Denver, and we got to meet up for a few shows to go out every once in a while. And that was super cool as well, just to have another show buddy since I didn't have many in Denver. And then there was Saturnian who no longer comments on the site, but is still one of the, and I think the only other person on Stereogum that loves the field as much as I do. And I was taking a trip to New York City and that's where he lives. And so we met up in the park. And it happened to be the day that the Field dropped uh, Who Goes There, the new song for Infinite Moment. And I was just like, wow, what are the odds that, you know, the two biggest Field fans on Stereogum meet up. And we get a new single, like the first one in like two to three years. So that was super cool. And I still keep up with Saturnian because he's great. He makes beats. He sends me his beats. They're great. And then finally, I'll wrap this section up. I was at an Interpol show in Oklahoma City. And... I was meeting up with some of my friends and we were talking, Oh, hi. And then, you know, da da. da and this one guy's like, Are you Raptor Jesus? And I'm like, What? how how would you know that? He's like, oh, well, Raptor Jesus has said stuff that made me figure that it's you. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, I guess I'm being a little too personal on the website. But at that point I was like, geez, Louise, you know, I've been commenting for a really long time and now, okay, random people can like figure out who I am that I've never met. So yeah, point being there have been a lot of really great meetups I've had because of being involved on Stereo Gum. But one of the most famous ones and this gets to the 311 part and my name is the 311 truth now movement that sort of actually started from video gum all the way back in 2011 when stereo gum was posting its articles on the top albums of the year they used to post every website's top albums of the year as their own article which i wish they'd do again but i could see why they don't and so everybody in the comments would go and judge all the picks which was great but i think the video gum users would come over and just be like what no 311 why didn't they add 311 because three 311 came out with Stereolithic that year, I believe. And so they just thought it would be funny to go in there and mention 311 a bunch. But then a few years later in 2014, Stereogum did an article or a premature evaluation for the Hold Steady's new album, Teeth Dreams. And the first comment was by Donny Tia, one of my all-time favorite commenters, about how the album cover on Teeth Dreams had some very interesting hidden images that linked it to be a connection to 311 and basically saying, you know, Hold Steady and 311 are they the same band and it's absolutely ludicrous but it kind of became one of the site's biggest inside jokes and I just ran with it because I thought Donny Tio was a comedy genius and so I was like that's hilarious and I'm just gonna like hype this guy up and so I sort of became involved with it because Donny didn't comment as often as I did and so the 311 Truth Now thing kind of moved to me and it became like kind of a numerology joke in the comments that I think also lumped onto me was because in 2013 Boards of Canada was released their new album tomorrow's harvest by releasing a long code it was like a six by six digit code across the world and still one of the coolest releases in a long time but because of that i became kind of the numbers guy on stereo gum and that all came to a head when scott emailed me in 2017 asking if i'd want to interview nick hexam of 311 and i did and that article's on stereo gum and i knew that i had to ask about the hold study, and i was so nervous because i'm like oh my god this guy's a real person he's gonna be so annoyed but you can read the article and he was very cool about it so very thankful (laughs) that nick was playful about the whole thing but yeah that's when the joke kind of came all the way to its logical conclusion but it's still something that's associated with me and since there's a lot of Raptor Jesuses out there. Raptor Jesus 311 felt like the perfect way for anybody to know, okay, we know who that is. That's the music Raptor Jesus guy. Now I'd like to talk about my history as a commenter because commenting on Stereogum wasn't my first time commenting on the internet I definitely started in the early 2000s I started on the Coachella forums actually when I was super excited to go to Coachella in 04 and I was talking on the forums and that's actually how I found out about Pitchfork and started reading that and that's of course what led me to Stereo Gum and Coke Machine Glow and even one of my friends in high school like made his own forum in 1999-2000 that just like all of us nerdy computer kids got on and commented and talked crap about each other on the internet. (laughs) And then there was the torrenting age of oink and what.cd. Oink was like the greatest torrenting site ever that of course got shut down by foreign authorities. And then it splintered into waffles and what. And then I got a what invite through an old everquest guild forum that i was a part of and somebody on there hooked me up with that because i was in the music section of this everquest guild's forum and that's where i talked about music as well well before stereo gum so i've always been seeking out places to talk about music online and that's really what led me to commenting on stereo gum and how raptor jesus came to be so i hope that that covers it i feel like i've talked a whole lot about (laughs) the history of Raptor Jesus and now I would like to talk about what this show is actually gonna be because obviously I can only talk about who I am one time. And I do want to talk about music related stuff. And I'm really excited about the next few episodes. In fact, when this episode goes live, this first episode, I'm going to wait and post it with a few more episodes. That way, this one isn't the only one out there because I would hate for this to just be a standalone episode. Because, like I said, it's more of a prologue. So the next three episodes are kind of going to be loosely tied together. And they're also going to try to be evergreen. They're just going to be episodes that can live on and they're not tied to current events. They're something that I've experienced or their playlists that I've made and hopefully down the line future episodes I can break down some of my favorite playlists I've made that way we can have a way that oh you can check out this playlist of songs that mean a lot to me that's a way for you to listen to new music but then I can kind of use this podcast as a way to give some background on them and explain why I did and maybe even explain the sequencing choices because I'm very obsessed with music sequencing So, as far as other episodes down the line, yeah, I'm going to go over some playlists discussions. We're talking about old playlists I made all the way back in like 2008, and I've never stopped making playlists, so that's a big thing with me. I want to do concert stories. I've been to a ton of shows. Uh, I have access to flying very easily. So I've been able to see a lot more shows than I think the average person. And also I've traveled just by driving to many shows because for me, like going to shows is like one of the greatest things ever. So I want to go over my history with shows. I want to go over like festivals, all the Coachellas I've been to, you know, the best shows I've been to like Daft Punk at Red Rocks, the best show I've ever been to. And I definitely want to do an episode on that. Uh, The times I've seen Kanye, I mean, Kanye puts on a hell of a show and I've seen him a few times. And they've all been great. And then, of course, I can do some content of old favorites. I can go over favorite albums over the years. I'd love to break down my top albums of the 2010s list. I made that post on Stereogum where I did my top 100 albums of the 2010s. I spent a lot of time researching, going back over the albums, and making a very comprehensive list, kind of for myself, but I feel like if I could do an episode or maybe a series of episodes on that, that that would be a really cool thing to do in the future. Always talking about sequencing and why I put stuff in certain orders. I'm very meticulous in that matter, and maybe definitely The line I can even go about my 20th century upbringing, you know, of how I've always been a music fan and my history of music through my early, early childhood into like my teenage years and what I experienced then sort of shaped who I am today. But before any of that, the immediate episodes that will be after this, episodes two, three, and four, are going to be about a topic very near and dear to my heart. And it's about 2001 A Space Odyssey and Pink Floyd's Echoes, the song Echoes. So that's what the next episodes are going to be about. I'm not going to say too much about them because they're going to get their own episodes. But basically, the next episode, I will go over what 2001 Echoes is, which I'll explain in just a moment. And then the third and fourth episode are going to be about playlists I've made inspired by 2001 and Echoes. So I'm really excited about talking about it because it's going to give me a chance to talk about a bunch of songs I love all tied to this movie that has meant the world to me and I think has meant the world to a lot of Artist. It's a very, very important film, and I think it's just one of the greatest movies ever made. So, 2001 Echoes. To end the inaugural episode of the Raptor Jesus cult, this is very important. I can only hope that I can get one person, at least one person, to do this and check this out. Basically what it is, is that if you've ever heard of The Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon, where you know you play them together and they sync up, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to 2001 Echoes. This is the dream. So Echoes is the last song on their album Metal that came right before Dark Side of the Moon, and it's like the 23-minute version. Don't get the 16-minute edited one that is on Greatest Hits compilations. This is the full shebang. So you get that song, and then you get 2001, A Space Off, Odyssey. Whether it's on DVD, Blu-ray, that's an easy way because you can just skip to the scene because it's not the whole movie. It's just the final scene. It's the Jupiter and beyond the infinite scene. So you queue up the scene, you cue up the song. You either put on some headphones, plug it into your phone for the song, put the image up on your computer, on your TV. There's a lot of ways to do this. And so this is the homework from this first episode. And if it's the only thing I ever do with this podcast, then that's exactly what I want. That will have accomplished my goals. I know I mentioned a lot of other things I want to do with this show but that is all secondary to really wanting to get this message out because I've showed this to a lot of people in real life and the reaction is always the same. They're always completely dumbfounded by it. And I want to talk about it because nobody is really talking about it, even though it's on their Wikipedia page. So enough people know about it and it's a real enough thing that people like know about it but i need to know more because it still blows my mind to this day and the only way to truly do it is to experience it so you can also get 2001 a space odyssey like purchased through like apple or you can rent it through amazon buy it through there that's an easy way to do it you can probably also pull the scene up on youtube though i would mute it and play the song yourself because the versions i've seen on youtube are synced horribly and basically You play the song and there's two pings. There's a ping, ping. And so you play it with the movie and you mute the audio from the movie and just let the Pink Floyd song play. And the scene plays out and it starts with the title card. It says Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite. And so the first ping hits right when it comes on. And then the second ping hits about one second, little less than a second, before the title card disappears. So if the second ping hits after the title card disappears, you're not in sync. So you're only in sync if the second ping hits about a second before the title card goes away. So the title card is up for both opening pings and then goes away. And I know I've watched it where the second ping hits when the title card disappears and you're like, oh my God, yes, but that won't work. I've, trust me, I've tested this many times. So the second ping hits right before the title card disappears and then watch the entire scene, Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite, along with Pink Floyd's Echoes playing and please check out the next episode where I go in depth. I'm actually going to watch the scene with the song and comment on it live and then break down everything about of why I think it's so amazing. So that's your homework. Please check it out if that's anything you do. And also if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening and I hope you stick around and become a member of the Raptor Jesus cult. Join the cult of raptor Jesus. Join the cult of raptor Jesus. Join the cult of raptor Jesus. It's the cult of raptor Raptor Jesus. Jesus.